Hey there, everyone. Brian Zimmerman here, editor for Jazz's Magazine and host of Jazz's Backstage Pass. We've got a really cool uh, episode for you today. Uh, this one we recorded live here in our hometown of Miami at the fourth annual Ground Up Jazz Festival, uh, which took place February 14th through 16th on Miami Beach. Um, now, if you don't know about this festival, it's awesome. It is the brainchild of Snarky Puppy uh, co-founder Michael League. Uh, he puts on an amazing fest, really intimate fest. Uh, only about 2,000 people um, fit into the outdoor venue. And it's just an amazing blend of musicians. Uh, this year, performers included Michael McDonald, Cecile McLaurin-Salvant, um, Chris Chris Potter was the artist in residence, so he played in a bunch of different settings. Uh, Brian Blade was there, um, and then a bunch of new bands that that I was able to discover just from being at the fest. But anyway, we were able to talk with Michael about um, really bringing the fest down to Miami and um, his plans for the fest in the future. Also, a little bit about what goes into the planning of such a cool fest. It's really one of the only places where you could be roaming around the festival grounds and, you know, Brian Blade or Chris Potter will walk up beside you to check out a set of a Portuguese singer-songwriter that neither one of you have ever heard of, but is just putting on an absolutely jaw-dropping performance. Um, so yeah, we catch up with him live on Festival Grounds. Michael League is a great guy, um, super down-to-earth, super funny, and I know you're going to love the conversation. Before we get into it, though, I just wanted to thank this episode's sponsors. Uh, they include Cobuzz.com, the world's largest catalog of streaming music and studio-quality high-res. You can stream all of your music in the high possible quality starting at just $9.99 per month. Visit on.cobuzz.com slash jazzes to learn more. And that is cobuzz spelled Q-O-B-U-Z dot com slash jazzes. Thanks also to Mac Avenue Records. The label has been showing us the road to great music for 20 years now. A new album by Tower of Power. Yes, that Tower of Power uh, is due out on March 20th. One of my favorite bands. What is Hip is one of my favorite songs. So I'm looking forward to that. The name of the album is Step Up, and you can bet it's going to bring the funk. Also, some new Raul Madone coming March 13th. His new album is called The Mirror. Learn more about all of these amazing releases at uh, macavenue.com. Big thanks also to Smoke Sessions Records. The label has a new album from saxophonist Wayne Escoffrey due out on April 10th. And in the meantime, uh, the label's new Charlie Parker tribute album, Bird at 100, is out right now. And that features the alto saxophonist Vincent Herring, Gary Bartz, and Bobby Watson. You should definitely go check it out. Visit smokesessionsrecords.com to learn more. This episode is also brought to you by the St. Lucia Jazz Festival, presented in collaboration with Jazz and Lincoln Center, held May 7th to 9th, featuring Patti LaBelle, Chick Corea, and Willie Jones III with a special Roy Hargrove celebration. Um, this festival is going to be amazing. More artists are going to be announced. You can join them as they perform in venues throughout St. Lucia's Caribbean landscape. Visit jazz.org slash St. Lucia Jazz for more information and tickets. Again, that is jazz.org slash St. Lucia Jazz, S-A-I-N-T-L-U-C-I-A-J-A-Z-Z for more information and tickets. 
Um, the episode is also brought to you by the premium audio brand Blue Sound and MQA, the pioneering music technology company. They are teaming up with two influential music organizations, Jazz Refreshed and British Underground, to present the Master Sessions. So this is a series of live concerts streamed in real time using MQA sound to over 100 audio retailers around the world through Blue Sound's premium high-res audio players. Music fans will be invited to share in a live audio experience like no other, featuring some of the UK's leading jazz acts performing from renowned studio locations. To mark the campaign launch, a dedicated microsite, themasterssessions.com, has been published with full details on the participants and activities. And check this out for fans stateside. On March 19th, uh, rising star Theon Cross, who is an amazing jazz tuba player, will play live at Orb Recording Studios in Austin, Texas. Music fans will be invited to visit a local Blue Sound dealership to experience the concerts streamed in real time on a Blue Sound-powered sound system in MQA studio quality audio. Uh, Very excited about that. I will definitely be tuning in. You should, too, check out, again, themasterssessions.com to learn more. All right, and now I'd like to shine a spotlight on some of the artists that submitted through our Inside Track program. So this is a program that lets independent artists submit their music directly to jazz as editors. Occasionally we'll pull some, feature them on social media, on our website, and here on this podcast. So another big thanks to vocalist Morris Paul Kennedy. He's got a new album out right now called Love in the Moments. You can read more about it and hear excerpts at musicbymorris.net. Thanks also to the band Cone of Confusion from Australia. They've got a self-titled album out right now. If you like Fusion, you're going to like this one for sure. Check them out at bandcamp.com slash Cone of Confusion. Uh, thanks also to author and multi-instrumentalist Nandan Gautam. His new album is called The Divine Flaw, and it features drummer Antonio Sanchez, among others. We actually stream the whole album on our site. You can check it out there. And you can also learn more at nandangautam.com. That's N-A-N-D-A-N-G-A-U-T-A-M.com. And lastly, thanks to guitarist Wayne Wilkinson, his new trio album of Straight Ahead Jazz Goodness is called Proceed to Root and is available at waynewilkinson.com. You can find all of these artists and so many more at jazzes.com slash inside track. And if you're an independent musician or know an independent musician, have them submit their music via our inside track program. Like I said, it comes directly to the inbox of a jazzes editor and could wind up on our site or on this very podcast. So, all right, uh, without further ado, I say we go ahead and jump into the conversation with Snarky Puppy Bassist and Ground Up Music Festival Artistic Director, Michael League. the track Zavi from Snarky Puppy's new album Immigrants winds down. We join Michael League uh, backstage at the Ground Up Music Fest in Miami. 
So, Michael, thanks, man, for joining me. Uh, first and foremost, really appreciate it. Um, I wanted to start just talking about the origin of this festival and sort of how it came to be here in Miami. Um, you, as sort of the brains behind Snarky Puppy, um, you have connections to a lot of different places. Um, for example, Denton in Texas, uh, where the band Snarky Puppy formed, the University of North Texas. Uh, New York City, where a lot of the band members live. Ditto for L.A., uh, Spain, where you live now. Um, and yet, Ground Up Music Festival, your your namesake festival, uh, named for the label uh, that you created, is based here in Miami. Um, so I was just kind of wondering how that came to be and whether or not um, you were involved in that decision. Well, the idea to have Ground Up Music Festival in Miami was not mine. Um, I don't, I don't, and didn't think of Miami as like a jazz mecca of the United States. You know, we obviously wanted to start it, start it in the U.S. Um, just for logistical reasons. It's easier. Most people are based here. Um, but actually, it was our festival director, Paul Lair, who kind of coerced me into it. Um, and I was like, Miami, I mean, we can't even play gigs in Miami because not enough people go to see shows there. You know, it's far away from everything. It's like tucked, you know, geographically kind of tucked away in the U.S. Um, and he told me, trust me, you're going to love it. And we did the first year. He kind of, you know, has a lot of connections here because he's from here. Um, and we did it the first year and I was like, all right. What sold you on this city? Like, what made you want to bring the fest back to Miami? Um, it was interesting because we, the plan was to do it in a different city every year. The first year was going to be Miami. And then after we did it the first year, he was like, what do you think about keeping it here? And I said, you know, absolutely. I think, you know, why? One of the reasons is the setting. So the, the actual physical location of the festival is on, in like a palm tree grove. 10 steps from the beach, so, or one step from the beach, depending on where you are in the festival grounds. Um, also, there's like, everything we need is there. There's a building for us to have kind of like our green room area for artists and, and ticket holders, and then we have the band shell, which is just like a outdoor theater, and then we have like this palm tree grove where we can have our second stage. It's very compact, perfect for the size of, of the festival, which is under 2,000 people a day. Um, so it's, it's perfect. I mean, it's also February and it's 72 degrees. So, you know, there's not a lot of places in the U.S. where that's the case. Um, and a lot of people who want to get out of their kind of winter thing, you know, in the middle of February, for them it's a really, really nice bonus to be wearing shorts and a t-shirt on the beach listening to music when they could be, you know, shoveling snow in Michigan or New York or something. Or Germany or Norway where we have a lot of our audience coming from, you know, is uh, our, you know, international. And I know you never claim to be an expert on the Miami jazz scene, but, you know, this is your fourth time around now for the festival being held in the city. I'm wondering what your impression is of, you know, Miami and the South Florida region, kind of from a cultural and arts perspective or food cuisine, um, you know, whatever you've gotten to experience. I mean, Miami to me is not the United States, just like New Orleans is not the United States. New York is not the United, you know, it, they're, they're anomalies. Um, and I love all of them, you know, uh, very much. I mean, Miami to me is really cool just because of the, le the level of diversity you know, especially the Latino 
kind of, you know, influence and, and it's everywhere. Um, and that has an impact on the way that the city moves and functions. And like, to me, it's like, I, I love being here because I never feel like anybody's stressed out, you know? Um, I live in Spain and one of the reasons why I live there is just because um, there's, a, there's this un-American feeling of like, everything's gonna be cool. Don't worry, you know, which I, I relate to and need. No, I feel you there, man. And you feel like you get that um, in Miami? I totally get it in Miami. Absolutely. And, and I mean, there's great food. People are cool. You know, it's obviously gorgeous here. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. wanted to also talk a little bit about um, how you put this festival together because... You know, one of the things that's often discussed when people talk about ground up is just how intimate it feels um, in terms of scope and scale. What's the max capacity here? Do you know? I think if we were really pushing it, it would be like 1,800 people a day. Wow. Yeah. So relatively small, you know, as as far as, you know, music festivals go. Um, and that's ideal for you. Yes. I would not want it one person bigger than that, even if it sells out. Within one minute of announcement, I don't want it to be bigger. I really think that once you start adding people and stages and space, it turns into another thing. And there are so many festivals like that in the world. You know what I mean? I don't, the whole point of this festival was to do something unique. And um, it's tempting. There's a reason why all the festivals are that way because it's how you make money, you know? But unfortunately for all the people I work with making money is never the priority. <laughs> Having a cool party is the priority. And that's exactly how it feels pretty much. I mean, this is one of the few fests that I've ever experienced where you could literally be walking around the festival grounds and bump into one of the participating artists, you know, and they're checking out someone else's set. Um, and that's totally normal. But also I think that can only exist if the audience doesn't treat the, the well, first off, we don't have headlining artists. You know, we make a point to not have like a headliner. There's a person who plays last every day, but they're very rarely the person with the biggest name, you know? Um, but I, I think that, that that whole dynamic of standing next to a famous musician, watching a set with them, it can only happen if the audience doesn't treat them like superhumans. And that's one of the nice things about this festival is because the audience is a music-loving audience. It's not like a scene audience that's just going after whatever's hot. They're musicians. So if you have a really famous person who puts on a not great set, and you have a not famous person who puts on a great set, the audience is gonna care way more about the second person than the first person, you know? So there's a, that's kind of like the great equalizer at this thing is the attention to the musical detail. And also, you know, I think everybody just feels better when they, when you feel like you're equal, you know, you can stand next to David Crosby or, you know, Bela Fleck or, you know, Lauren Vula or Esperanza Spalding and be like, hey, nice set. I really enjoyed that. And then watch something. I mean, that's, but that's real. That's normal. That's human. That's without lights and cameras and stages. And that's who we are as musicians and, and audience. And why should it be any different? But once you get a certain number of people, it changes. Then you have that tiered thing of the star and the audience, you know, but with under 2000 people, it feels like a, like just like a big party. Well, that's certainly how it feels, man. And, you know, kudos to you and the camp for, um, 
really making that a priority. Um, the other great thing about this fest is just the stylistic breadth of the performers here. I mean, you have musicians, bands from pretty much every genre. And curating the program um, mostly falls on your shoulders, correct? I am, yes. I'm, I'm the, the sole artistic director, so I invite uh, and, and try to invite the artists and try to and do the programming, like the order and everything to try to create a balanced diet. Um, and that's my role, as well as ideas for master classes and, and, you know, I mean, a lot of things get run by me, but there's a crew that's busting their butts like way harder than me. You know, the, and like Rosanna Friedman, TJ Abenizio, they're handling all of the production and artist stuff and like, you know, transport, arrivals, hotels, all that kind of stuff. And then Paul Lair um, and, and Lena are like doing the, the kind of like the upper level, securing the venue, you know, grants, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I put in probably the least amount of time and least amount of work uh, into the festival. Um, and I think that's important to note because uh, I do the fun stuff. They have to deal with the less fun stuff, you know. Well, definitely shout outs to them for doing all the hard work. Um, but your work is important, no less. And, you know, regarding that balanced diet that you mentioned, how do you go about achieving that? You know, is it, are you very conscious of, you know, I want someone from this genre. I want someone from that genre. I want a band from this part of the world. I want a musician from this part of the world. Or just how do you go about putting together such a uh, well-balanced meal as uh, we're, we're calling it? I have a master list of uh, 200 artists probably that I'm a huge fan of and that I think would be a good fit for the festival. Because there's also, there are a lot of artists that I'm a huge fan of that are not a good fit for this festival. And what does make an artist a good fit? Um, what makes an artist a good fit for the festival? Um, I can't explain it. I just know that when that person plays here that it's going to work. I don't, I don't know. For me it's like a groove. It's like I can't explain why the groove works. It just, I know that it works or I know that it doesn't work. Um, and there are some people, like, for example, I think of Michael McDonald, who played this year. Had he played with his band, it would have been awesome, but it wouldn't have been right. There needed to be something, you know, or if James Taylor comes, it's like, we need to put them in a different context, you know, to, 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 for it to, like, fit into this thing. And I don't know that there's, like, a concrete explanation of what works. And so, so to create the, the diet, basically the balanced diet, um, from performance to performance, I look at my kind of master list of all the artists who I think would be a good fit here, and then I just try to create um, a situation in which, it, were I an audience member, I would be constantly stimulated. So if Lettuce is playing this super high-powered funk set for an hour, after that, what do I want to hear? I would love to hear a Chilean, you know, singer-songwriter with a string quartet. To me, that's like a really nice thing. And then after an hour of that or 45 minutes of that, what do I want to hear? A group from West Africa, that would be dope. And then after that, something electronic or, you know, something to just basically so that as an audience member, um, you can have a constantly stimulating experience in different ways, rather than just having a whole bunch of bands that are hype or something, you know? Um, so I really just think of it as like, put myself in the position of the audience and what would I want to hear? Because that's the only thing you really know. Once you start assuming, oh, our audience wants this, or our audience would love that, I feel like you're lost. 
it's the same with writing music. When you're writing music for your audience, I feel like your compass is off. You have to do the thing that you believe in and let people come to that because that will always be um, consistent. Well, as a South Florida native, I can certainly say that I am, you know, super appreciative that you brought a festival, um, you know, a jazz festival for all intents and purposes down here to Miami. Um, and I hope uh, you stick around. And um, it just makes me wonder what is what's next for the festival um, in terms of uh, growth and development. We have no intention of moving the festival from Miami. Um our challenge here, because Miami is not a huge music market, is getting people to buy tickets. Um, local people to buy tickets. That's the challenge. We have, I think, almost half of our audience is coming from out of state or internationally. I think there's an exact number, but I believe we've had audience from 54 countries um, up until this year. So maybe now we have added countries, you know? Um, and so that's really the, our struggle. And, and the other struggle is that we don't um, have large sponsors. We take very small sponsorships from companies that we believe in. Um, and generally companies that we believe in don't have a lot of money, <laughs> as is the case with most things. So, um, so those things help us greatly, but it's not like we have the Budweiser stage that covers our festival. And we could, but that would change the vibe. It would change the environment, it would change the energy and the atmosphere, and we'd have someone dictating to us what they want us to do with our festival, and I'm not comfortable with that, and no, no one that works on the festival is comfortable with that. So that's our challenge, but actually each year it's gotten better and better, and we've sold more tickets this year than we ever have. Um, and uh, once this one gets stable, our plan is to add another one in the fall in another country, and then hopefully another one. So I'd love to do three a year. That would be awesome in different countries, but keep the flagship one here in Miami and create a different experience with each festival, not try to replicate this experience in Spain or in Argentina or Japan, but to have a separate thing, you know, and, and, and match it to the environment. Right on. Well, hey man, Michael League, man of integrity. Um, thank you so much again uh, for chatting with us today. Uh, number one and number two just for putting on such an awesome awesome festival um, we're really looking forward to next year's and we know our audiences too and in the meantime uh, be sure to follow what you're doing via snarky puppy and ground up so michael thanks a lot for joining me again man really appreciate it thank you appreciate that <laughs> All right, and that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks again to Michael League uh, and the Ground Up Music Festival for letting us record that interview. Again, stay up to date with all things Snarky Puppy, all things Michael League, all things Ground Up. Just visit groundupmusic.net. And hopefully, hey, we'll see you down here next year in Miami for the fifth annual Ground Up Music Festival. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. See you next time.